Greetings, this is Jim McCarty, welcoming you to LNO Research Podcast in the Now, episode number 74. LNO Research is a nonprofit organization dedicated to freely sharing spiritually oriented information and fostering community. And toward this end has two websites the archive website, llresearch.org, and the community website, bringforth.org. During each episode, we respond to questions sent to Elmdale Research from spiritual seekers like you. Our panel consists of Gary Bean, Austin Bridges, and I, each of us a devoted student of the Law of One. Your questions allow us to explore the Law of One and related matters of metaphysical interest. We hope only to offer a resource that enhances your own seeking process. Please know that our replies are not the final word on these subjects. We ask each who listens to exercise discernment and be sensitive to inner resonance in determining what is true for them. If you would like to submit a question for the show, please do so. Our humble podcast relies on your questions. You may either send an email to contact at llresearch.org or go to llresearch.org forward slash podcast for further instructions. Again, I'm Jim McCarty, and we are embarking on a new episode of LNL Research's weekly podcast, In the Now. Gary Austin, are you ready to go? I am indeed. And I am as well. All right. Well, this week we have uh, a topic that I discovered actually in the Bible before I discovered it in the Law of One. And it comes from Mark chapter 4, verses 24 and 25. And these are Jesus' words. The measure you give will be the measure you get, and still more will be given you. For those who have more will be given. And from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. Now, in the Law of One, we have a couple of quotes that uh, illustrate this principle. And one of them is called the seniority by vibration. It comes from 17.43. The seniority by vibration is that preferential treatment, shall we say, which follows the ways of the Law of One, which encourages harvestable individuals, each individual becoming aware of the time of harvest and the need, on a self-level, to bend mind, body, and spirit towards learned teaching of these lessons, is given priority, in order that this entity may have the best possible chance, shall we say, of succeeding in this attempt. The other quality is summed by a quote from 20.17, and it simply says, When there is no progress, those conditions which grant progress are gradually lost. This is one of the difficulties of remaining unpolarized. The chances, shall we say, of progress become steadily less. Okay, first off, I would just like to ask you both, why do you think that these principles operate the way they do? Uh, Gary, how about you starting us off? So this is the why question, not the how they work, but the why they work. Like, what's the reason? Yeah. If you want to go into some how... And you could do a how and then a why. (laughs) (laughs) I'm confused by both. Um, But the how may help shed light on the why. Um, I wade into territory that is speculatory. So with whatever, however many grains of salt the listeners listen to me or us, I would add a couple extra into this one. Um, And when I try to wrap my head around how this works, which may get to some of the why, um, one analogy I 
come up with is that um, of the student in the school. Uh, the student who consciously intends to learn what is presented to him or her and grasp that lesson. Let me step back. The student who consciously attempts to learn a particular um, lesson or assignment um, will likely, may, hopefully, ideally, receive some help with the learning <clears throat> from the teacher, from other faculty or students, who knows, from the parents. Because they've set this course in motion where they're trying to learn, so others who are of a positive nature want to support that learning. They're on the course. As they successfully learn that particular assignment or lesson, another one is given, and another, each one um, more advanced than the previous one. Thus does the path of progress unfold the student learning more and more uh, and greater lessons higher lessons being given to the student as they progress along the grades and so forth pretty easy to grasp contrast that to the student who is not doing their work for whatever reason um may um just rejects the work um sleeps through the work uh, doesn't want to be there and so forth so they may not get the same level of support or who knows maybe <clears throat> um people are attempting to reach out and help that student but uh the student doesn't want to do the work so eventually that support may wither and fall away um, and because they're not learning the lesson right in front of them they're not going to get the next and the next and the next and so forth until the student uh, may um, <clears throat> drop out of the school system altogether or just not be a part of this curriculum of learning so <clears throat> that's that's one of my best attempts to try to understand how this works and why it works the way it does I guess to wrap my reply up and to speak to your actual question about the why, perhaps it is a situation that demands or requires, to soften that, requires that we in third density develop the will and faith to make a choice, to chart our own evolution, to desire to learn, to evolve spiritually, to walk our own path. So if the conditions of third density are designed such that this development of will and faith is encouraged, then that, that must necessarily include um, a reduction of opportunity if the will and faith are chronically not developed, if that makes any sense. But I'll bounce it back to, to you. Okay, good job, Gary. Uh, Austin, how about you? What do you think about this and how and the why? Um, it's hard for me to wrap my head around too, because I think I'm of two minds. Sometimes when I think about this and when I contemplate this specifically, I also use the analogy that Gary kind of used with the school and it seems kind of cruel to me. It, it seems like, um, recognizing that there's a student in need who isn't grasping the lessons and just saying, well, forget about them. They're not doing well, so they can just, you know, uh, falter and fall behind. And we're just going to pay attention to the best students. So for being an innate 
uh, system built into this density or however the universe works. It does seem kind of cruel in a sense. But I think that maybe if we look at it as being something that's not necessarily intended to allow people to falter, but rather um, is a natural consequence of free will, that might frame it a little differently in something that makes more sense to me at least. So as far as like the why this happens, one level I think that it is a natural consequence of choosing our own paths and how continuously making a certain choice builds a certain charge to that choice and a certain momentum and inertia to what we are choosing. So if we are choosing uh, positivity over making a choice of service to others or service to self, that builds a momentum naturally because that is sort of the the purpose of third density. It's exercising free will, this fundamental aspect of the universe. And so that in turn creates a sort of spiritual uh, inertia or even a spiritual gravity, you could say. And um, if we're continuously choosing to ignore what is put in front of us, and continuously choosing to um, make poor interpretations uh, or negative mixed interpretations, um, then it will continue to build upon itself in that sense. And then gradually the positive interpretation or negative interpretation, if you want to polarize negatively, becomes less and less available to us. So that... Uh, and then a second level of the why is um, at one point, I just had this quote in front of me, but I don't have it with me. And I can't remember if it's part of what you read, Jim. But Ra talks about this system being in place, at least partly, to aid those who have the best chance at harvest. So it seems like we have a pretty limited window in third density as far as like a planetary availability to make harvest. And so there has to be some system to allow those who are more likely to get there to mm. have that chance, um, which is closer to the crueler interpretation that I was talking about before, because it does feel a little bit like just abandoning people who would need help in learning lessons and supporting those who are already doing well. So um, that was, that's my why. Are, did you, I guess that's also a little bit of house. Well, I'll just bounce it back to you. Okay. That was a good job, Austin. Uh, for the how, for me, I'll just resort, resort to my cheat sheet from uh, 48.8. <laughs> the seniority of vibration is to be likened into placing various grades of liquids in the same glass. Some will rise to the top. Others will sink to the bottom. Layers and layers of entities will ensue. As harvest draws near, those filled with the most light and love will naturally and without supervision be in line, shall we say, for the experience of incarnation. So, that says without supervision, too. So it suggests that if it is, you know, that would suggest to me that if it is a somewhat cruel, and I would agree, it seems to be, a situation, it's not something that an entity anywhere is um, causing to happen. There's nobody sitting there judging to say, well, you up and you down, and so forth. Uh, there must be some kind of a, a lightning effect, uh, as in not so heavy, that helps entities that have been successful to learn to move higher into this 
uh, analogy of the grades of liquid. Um, but that's just a guess. As to why it occurs, I believe it goes back to the basic, uh, to the first distortion and why the creation exists. The whole idea of the creation seems to be to help the creator have more ways and more intense ways of knowing itself. So where would the creator find more ways and more intense ways than in an entity that had been successful in polarizing? Because as an entity is more and more successful in polarizing its consciousness, it has more and more varied opportunities presented to it to continue that process, whereas an entity that has not had that success would need to repeat not only the third density, but keep repeating the same sorts of lessons that hadn't been learned yet. They have to repeat them until they learn them. We all do. <laughs> uh, so the repetition itself would seem to me to be the quality that would keep entities from being able to rise to the top. And it would come from the basic nature of the creation uh, that the creator decided that it wanted to know itself. So I would like to have each of you comment on that possibility or any other possibility as to why. Gary, I'll try you again. Yeah, you guys both said great things that spark the neurons in the brain. Um, Jim, you just said repetition, and that was a word that I was um, coming to as well in considering this question. And um, you see that in a couple of places in the Law of One. Uh, Ra talks specifically about how the confederation desires to serve those on planet Earth. And they talk about sharing information with their density entities specifically. And they say about us, entities receive the basic information about the original thought and the means, that is meditation and service to others, whereby this original thought may be obtained. They go on to say, once this basic information is received, it is not put into practice in the heart and life experience, but instead rattles about within the mind complex, as would a building block which has lost its place and simply rolls from side to side uselessly. Yet still the entity calls. Therefore, the same basic information is repeated. Ultimately, the entity decides that it is wary of this repetitive information. However, if an entity puts into practice that which it is given, it will not find repetition except when needed. And then, um, so here you have um, an example of, like you were saying, Jim, um, if the entity is not progressing or advancing or learning its lesson or distilling love and light from experience, then it's in a loop, this r repetitive cycle. Even third density itself repeats and repeats and repeats as this uh, population has chronically done by not moving upward on the spiral and learning the lessons. And it's the same um, with the, um, in terms of the support the entity receives, say, from the Confederation. Ra also says in this one sentence, <clears throat> they're talking about the sinkhole of indifference, which is their um, creative term for the unpolarized majority population of planet Earth, those who have not chosen service to others or service to self. They say about this group, those truly helpless are those who have not consciously chosen, but who repeat patterns without knowledge of the repetition or the meaning of the pattern. 
Um, so again, I get this image of just souls who get stuck in little eddies alongside the river that just circulate and circulate um, in their own repetitive pattern. And to, I think, wrap this up in just a second, connect to what Austin was saying about how, in one sense, it seems like the students who aren't learning the lessons are abandoned you know, the, those resources are taken away from them. The opportunities are taken away and so forth. Um, and Jim commented on that as well. And it would seem to me that the Confederation and any discarnate entity who is invested in the evolution of this planet and wants to be of help is at the same time trying to stimulate seeking, trying to give clues and hints about the possibility of stepping out of that repetition. For instance, Ross says that um, there's a UFO advertisement in the skies and that gives entities a glimpse into the possibility of infinity or something outside of their consensus reality box, which has the hope for goal of awakening them. Ow. What's going on? I'm sorry. Did you just fall over? No, my microphone did. I'm not exactly sure how that happened. I was. I was probably putting it to sleep. That's another good reason for a microphone stand. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I think I'm ready to be quiet. <laughs> sorry. So we just had an interruption due to technical difficulty. I'm not sure what my last words were, so that there's going to be some discontinuity between what I'm saying now and what I was formerly saying. Um, but, oh, the, the advertisement by the UFOs are for the entity within this consensus reality box whereby they just repeat patterns without knowledge again and again. In comes this advertisement, a little peek behind the curtain of their worldview and opens to them the possibility that they might embark upon their own path of spiritual seeking. So the point being, I don't see it as an abandonment per se, as there is an attempt to uh, stimulate awakening. But all that extra support from outside of third density or in the inner planes of third density can only operate in accordance to the free will choices of those on the planet. <clears throat> so they have to work within those parameters. And if the free will choice of the entity is a hunger for spiritual evolution, then service will be offered in accordance with that free will desire. And if the free will desire is for distraction, anonymity, and sleep, as Ra describes, then, uh, as Ra said, was true in their own third density experience, only the comforts of sleep can be offered those who make those choices. That's it for me. Okay, good job, Gary. Uh, Austin, uh, further thoughts on uh, whether this might be, uh, you know, how it happens and why and whether it might be fair or not fair? Um, yeah, speaking on that fairness thing, as uh, Gary was just saying, my own thoughts about how it seemed cruel wasn't necessarily in how the Confederation relates to those entities because I don't think that's necessarily what – Ra's talking about here. It seems like Ra's talking about something that's built into the system. And they use the words at a certain point that the opportunities for advancement become less and less. So th there's something about the system that ceases to offer opportunity to the entity who is not taking opportunity and who has not woken up to the nature of the purpose of what we're doing here. And that's what seemed cruel to me. And I think it's just also, um, maybe ironically, a matter of interpretation because there are 
an infinite number of things about our reality that you can interpret as being cruel for cruelty's sake. You could look back on the billions of years of second density and see the sort of violence that seems innate in the system with the predator and prey and just um, how pain is a given in life, even for animals. And suffering seems to be there. And, you know, animals supposedly don't have the mental capacity to use free will to interpret pain as a lesson to learn from. It's just sort of like suffering for suffering's sake. So there's lots of things that can be interpreted as as cruel that are just innate in the system. And I think that that is maybe um, a larger spiritual question about the nature of reality as we experience it and the lessons we're here to learn. But I did have another thought that maybe makes it seem not so cruel in that one of the biggest questions for me in this sense is that we have infinity supposedly to work with in order to learn these lessons. And so why is there a system set up to um, accelerate the chances for certain beings and slow down the chances for other beings? Why is there an emphasis on efficiency in how the Logoi set up their experiments? And that's not necessarily a question that I've ever had an answer to, but in that light, if there are entities that are succeeding in a certain environment and entities that are not succeeding in a certain environment, then it might actually be more of a waste for that environment itself for the entities who aren't succeeding, it would be a waste of their time and a waste of the environment's resources to have them incarnate into it. And it isn't necessarily abandoning them. It is basically letting them have recess until a new class starts or a new third density, essentially. When they have the opportunity to travel to a different third density environment, maybe that's what this system is meant to do, is to sort of give the opportunity to those for whom it is best and set aside those who it isn't best for until they have the opportunity to try a different environment, and maybe they'll succeed better in the other environment. And uh, in the grand scheme of things, it would be a more uh, opportune thing to do, to go somewhere else instead of continually incarnating in a place that they, for whatever reason, are not grasping the purpose. Hmm. I just had that thought while you guys were talking. So that kind of frames it in a different light that doesn't seem so cruel, I think. Yeah, that was good. I like that. So when you take this principle of um, failure to polarize removes the opportunities more and more and apply it or see it applied to a culture, uh, maybe an entire planet, uh, do you feel like that, changes anything uh is there more of a need for the say like the population of earth somehow to find um more assistance from the outside Uh, should the confederation for example send more wanderers or allow more inner planes teachers to make themselves available in dreams or uh, eventually if there's enough people not progressing, do they need a little help? <laughs> <laughs> Gary, how about you? 
That sounds like uh, a question the um, Confederation has been asking themselves for some time. Like, what do we do? How do we help? And they, per Ra's uh, recount, per per the law of one, um, they've had an evolving strategy with regard to how to get these chronic repeaters to make the choice. Uh, what do we do? And of late, their strategy, it seems, in recent centuries, has been to send a big influx of wanderers here for various reasons, primarily to lighten the planetary vibration. To literally, <clears throat> and this may be one of the most potent strategies available for those in higher densities to help this situation along. <clears throat> um, back to what I was saying. Massive influx of wanderers to lighten the planetary vibration. And there's various ways to interpret that. One of the chief ways that I understand that works is that um, in lightening the planetary vibration, the wanderer is literally changing the environment. I mean, not the biosphere, but the, the um, I think it's called the neosphere, the the environment of mind and culture and spirit and um, by lifting the vibrations, letting the story and the voice of love, rather letting the story of love have a greater voice, representing a different or a higher or more evolved point of view and in terms of the light-darkness ratio of the vibration, just allowing an environment that has more light in it. Where there is light, there is illumination, there is clearer seeing, there's the possibility of recognizing the light for what it is and then hungering to know it and um, to use it and to seek it and so forth. So if, you know, and this this connects... um, your question as well connects to the harvest. Uh, the whole notion of what a harvest is um, in being a harvest as we use it on earth is um, used to uh, use as applied to um, growing crops, fruits or vegetables or uh, orchards to um, it is that process whereby that which is grown in the soil and uh, through the use of the nutrients in that soil and the sunlight and the water has ripened and produced a fruit, which can then be plucked from that soil and harvested. Uh, the Confederation is not ingesting those fruits as we ingest and make food products of that which we harvest. But there is a comparison there in that the third density souls here on planet Earth are in the soil, the metaphorical soil of third density. And as they successfully learn the lessons, they produce their own unique fruit. Each one of us um, produces a fruit that is unique unto us. And then we can be harvested from this soil and uh, move along to the next evolutionary stage. And to loop back to what what you were asking, Jim, like how to encourage that ripening, how to encourage that um reaching a state of harvestability um again one of the principal strategies is is the wanderer which i think helps to change the condition of the soil to a to a limited extent
Okay, good job. Uh, Austin, uh, what do you think about the Confederation's efforts, what they've done in the past in the way of uh, sending more wanderers, in the way of giving nuclear energy to the planet and hoping it's going to be used peacefully? Do you think anything else could have been done? I wonder if they shook their heads after that one. <laughs> yeah, it's an SMH moment. Um, <laughs> that's a good question. It makes me wonder. Um, I think they haven't sent aid because of individuals who have not started down the path. I think that in the situation in a situation in which there are entities who have not started making the choice and calling for aid in that choice, their hands are tied. That's the sense that I get. They're, they can't respond when there's not a call. And what make, that makes me wonder, what is the situation which creates a call? Is it possible for an entity who has not um, chosen at least to start interpreting their catalyst in a certain way um, to make a call, because I don't think that they send necessarily help to encourage entities um, who are stuck in that sinkhole of indifference. I think they send in response to a call for aid on a certain path. Um, but those who are calling are on that path and confused and, and suffering and calling for help uh, with that goal in mind. So uh, that's a really good question, and I'm not sure how I would um, answer that. Do you guys think that's generally correct, that if their entity is not making the choice, if they're stuck in that sinkhole of indifference and not um, calling for help, then the Confederation wouldn't send help? What do you think, Gary? <laughs> the Confederation wouldn't send help. I think... Um the Confederation seems poised and ready at all times, 24-7 standby, to offer service at the slightest hint that it, that it may be needed. They actively desire to serve out of a sense of compassion, out of genuine love and knowing that they are one with those on planet Earth, um, and also as a mechanism of advancing their own polarity. It seems like they get a lot out of working with third density. So um, if help is not offered, you said, would they send help to an entity in that situation? Um, if... I would say if that help is not offered, it's only because it's not requested. It has to link back fundamentally to the entity's own choice. The second it is requested, even if not consciously, even if not verbally articulated, um, just if a call issues forth from an entity, which could just be pain itself and sorrow, the second that call emits, I think there are those waiting to offer that help. That would be my uh, conjecture. Yeah, not that they wouldn't be willing to offer help. It's just that they are not going to send help in that situation. What do you think, Jim? Well, I think that one of the things that has been done besides uh, sending wanderers and attempting to make some selected contacts, such as the raw contact and others, that they've allowed the uh, incarnation of the uh, third slash fourth density beings who have already made the harvest on other planets to come here early to help with what is obviously a difficult harvest. And I just have a feeling that that is increasing as time goes on now, that we have, uh, you know, the Charles Eisenstein's concept of interbeing uh, more and more acceptable on the planet. Uh, 
especially with uh, the folks that we know. Uh, and I believe that, you know, I was talking with uh, Suma over the weekend, and she feels that there's uh, other places around the country, too, that have this expanded awareness that it could well be a, a point of birthing for the fourth density. So I think that these entities that have already made the harvest are here now, and I, I believe and I hope that as time goes on, they will have more and more of an impact. They will be old enough to assume positions of what we call power and will find different ways of sharing it and uh, being able to uh, bring forth more types of assistance uh, on all levels of physical, of mental, emotional, and spiritual to people of the planet. Uh, I would say, especially in this country where we seem to have so much confusion about uh, how people should be treated if they don't have uh, enough to live on. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm really hoping that these entities are going to continue to increase and um, bring forth more love and light. How about final comments before the storm comes and thunders us away? <laughs> Gary? Yeah, I can see the rain drizzling out there now as the skies are darkening. I do have some final comments. Um, briefly, in response to something Austin said a, um, a while back about how the system itself is designed, I wouldn't see in that – I think I understand what Austin was getting at, but I wouldn't see the Confederation itself as outside of that system. I would see them and the opportunities and the services that they offer as integral – to that system. There's something deeper, of course, that's in the blueprint itself. I think that's what Austin was getting at. But um, Yeah, I mean the system they work within as well. Not, yeah. Not like their system, but the system that we're all a part of. Yeah, that would operate, uh, say, even if we excluded the Confederation, it would still be in place. Yeah, like the Confederation can't change the parameters for harvest because they want more people harvested, essentially. Yeah. Okay. And then otherwise, on um, closing thoughts, I did, I wanted to speak um, about the function of the will and how it shapes one's life. And I had a visual come to me a little while back that uses what Austin was sharing with uh, Suma over the weekend, whereby a certain frequency of vibration is emitted underneath a plate that contains sand granules on top. And then those sand granules, according to the um, uniqueness of that frequency, begin to form geometric patterns. <clears throat> in really interesting and intricate ways. And um, a while back, it came to me that maybe that sheds a little bit of light on how life works according to one's own free will, whether conscious free will, subconscious free will, pre-incarnational free will, <clears throat> in that um, as we become conscious beings, as we awaken and use our will, uh, we vibrate with a certain frequency, and if the sand particles are seen for all the possibilities that could transpire in life, then those sand particles begin to conform around the frequency of our will so that uh, we will experience certain patterns that uh, are in accordance with that will. And as the will changes and becomes more one-pointed and more intense and more full of light, our frequency changes and all those sand particles begin to reshape so that we will experience um, certain... <clears throat> Uh, certain configurations, certain people, certain opportunities, and so forth. And then to close that thought, um, 
Ra speaks with an unusual level of absoluteness in this one quote about um, how each entity will experience that which they need. And they say, consider, if you will, the path your life experience has taken. Consider the coincidences and odd circumstances by which one thing flowed to the next. Consider this well. Each entity will receive the opportunity that each needs. So wherever one is in the seniority of vibration, um, they are receiving that which is a function of their own free choice on one level or another. But that's my closing thoughts. Good one, Gary. Austin, how about your final thought? Um, Yeah, I have some final thoughts that verge into an area that uh, we didn't quite get into based on the Bible quote that you seeded this with, Jim. Um, So I'll try to um, close on what I think is a significant thought in that regard. I have to admit when you first, or when Gary first informed me of this Bible quote for the show, I was uh, really struggling to come away with anything significant. But then I read the entire chapter of Mark 4. Um, But just to remind the listeners, the quote that uh, Jim read at the beginning was from um, Mark 4, and I think 24 to 25. The measure you give will be the measure you get, and still more will be given to you. For those who have more will be given, and from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. Um, That was spoken by Jesus in a context of interpreting parables, essentially. The chapters about how Jesus taught, basically. It starts with him telling a parable, and then later, um, people asking him why he teaches in parables, and then him talking about, essentially, that being a mechanism of allowing people to make the choice of how they see the lesson, and how the seed is planted, essentially. It's not spoon-feeding spiritual information directly, but putting some responsibility on the the student or the learner to make a choice or to um, consider how they interpret something instead of simply being given a piece of information that is innately um, spiritually meaningful. And so that I think is relevant to this discussion, especially given what uh, Gary just said about how maybe it's that we vibrate in a certain certain frequency and the sand particles that are our life arrange around us in a certain way that we have some sort of agency in that vibration and how things are formed around us. And that's when Jesus says the measure you give will be the measure that you get is basically this large statement of interpretation, whether it's interpreting parables, interpreting the events in our lives. And Ra talks a lot about the nature of interpretation in terms of polarization and how it's essentially an act of interpretation. You experience catalyst and then you interpret that catalyst. And you can interpret it in terms of service to others or service to self, and positivity or negativity. And you continually interpret things in one way or another and that is what leads to the polarization. So that was the um, sort of underlying discussion, I think, that was in Mark 4 and is relevant to um, what we were talking about. So those are my closing thoughts. Well, thanks for those, Austin. That was good. Uh, my closing thoughts are very simple. Uh, I believe we need to remember that Ross said there are no mistakes and all is truly well. And there is as much time as any person or entity needs to make the progress to throughout the octave of densities to reunite with the Creator. Uh, 
Whatever happens in between is a way that we learn, is the way that the Creator knows itself more fully, and we are serving the Creator, and that's what we're here to do. And we thank everybody for uh, listening to LNL Research's bi-weekly podcast, In the Now. If you've enjoyed the show, please visit our website, llresearch.org and bringforth.org. Thank you so much for listening, for supporting this podcast with your questions. If you'd like to hear us ramble on about a particular topic, please read the instructions on our page at llresearch.org forward slash podcast. New episodes are published to the archive website every other Wednesday afternoon, Eastern Time. We thank you again for your love and your support for listening to us ramble on. We uh, take so much uh, comfort and pleasure and, and inspiration from knowing that you're out there and that we might make some little mark in your lives that is of a positive nature to send you further along your path of love and light. Thank you for all the love and light you send back to us. We'll see you again in a couple of weeks.